1: Than us.
0: Welcome to the Michigan Man podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. As most of you know by now, Hurricane Joaquin is throwing a monkey wrench into Saturday night's Big Ten opener with Maryland. I'm recording this show very early on Thursday morning and things are up in the air. As of right now, the Big Ten, in cooperation with Michigan and Maryland, are keeping an eye on the approaching storm or hurricane. According to National Weather Service models, The storm could hit the East Coast on Sunday afternoon or evening, but it could pick up steam and make landfall even earlier. So when it comes to Saturday night's Big Ten opener with Maryland, we are in wait-and-see mode. According to press reports, a decision on what to do about the game should come later today. As of early Thursday morning, everything is still a go for an 8 p.m. kickoff on Saturday night at Bird Stadium. This is a very serious storm, though, and the situation could change rapidly. So for right now, we'll proceed as if everything is on schedule for the Big Ten opener. On Wednesday, I had the good fortune of spending time with Maryland radio play-by-play voice Johnny Holiday. He is a radio legend and has been the radio voice of Terrapin football and basketball for nearly 40 years. He joins me next on our visitor segment here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio a member of the Vsporto network and in partnership with SB Nations Maze in Porto Joining us on our game day segment this week, actually our visitors segment, is a Radio Hall of Famer, legendary broadcaster, and the radio play-by-play voice of Maryland football and basketball, Johnny Holiday, Great to have you back with us, Johnny.
1: Nice to be with you, too. Thanks for the invitation.
0: Johnny, Murphy's Law was in full effect for Maryland on Saturday on the road against West Virginia. If it could go wrong, it did. It was just one long day against a pretty good Mountaineer football team, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, when you go down there, as everybody knows, if you played in West Virginia at Morgantown, it's certainly one of the most difficult venues, I think, in the entire country to play in you got 60,000 fans, they're packed in that place, it's a sellout, they make a lot of noise, they get there way, way before the tailgating even begins, and they're ready for whatever opponent comes in, and you've got to be at the top of your game. We had not won there since back in 2002, when the, one of my analysts, Scott McBrien, was the Maryland quarterback, and he led them to a victory. In Morgantown, that's the last time we we only won nine times there in the history of the series between the two teams. And when you give up 21 points in the first quarter, as Maryland did, that's going to be a problem, especially on the road. And, uh, you know, you gave up 17 more in the second quarter. By the time you know it, it's halftime, and you, you've got nothing. You're finding yourself 38 nothing behind. And from that point on, the second half it was incidental because all the damage was done in the first half. But it was, uh, I think, probably the poorest performance that the team has had, including the game against Bowling Green, uh... And I, just, I look for Randy Etzel's team to bounce back. I mean, this this, is, this will show exactly what the rest of the season is going to be made of, this Michigan game. It's it's so huge. You're back home, and, and uh, I, I don't think he was pleased with any aspect of what they did in Morgantown, or he shouldn't be.
0: Well, Caleb Rose started the game at quarterback for Maryland on Saturday. Then he gave way to Oklahoma State transfer Dax Garman. It's been a rough start to the season for young Caleb Rowe, hasn't it?
1: Well, it has, but I don't think you can really blame it all on the quarterback when guys run the wrong routes, when guys are dropping balls, when the offensive line is giving up some sacks. They had not given up a sack until they got to West Virginia. First three games, uh, nobody could touch you know, the quarterback, whether it was Perry Hills or Caleb or Dax Garmin. But I don't I don't think you can really blame him for everything. Certainly he started off very rocky and had trouble completing passes. That kind of set the tone for the entire afternoon, but he's a much, much better quarterback than we saw against Bowling Green, than we saw against uh, West Virginia, and he's going to, Randy's going to stick with him. He's not going to make a change this week. He's going to be the starting quarterback against Michigan, but I'll guarantee you one thing. If he doesn't move the football team, he, he has no reservations about putting Garman in there, and Dax was faced with a situation that he just can't win. You come in, you're down 38 to nothing, and you've got no shot, and I thought he did a pretty good job. He threw the only touchdown pass that Maryland scored all day, a 46-yarder, a freshman kid named Davenport. But I think Caleb Rowe learns from this. He's got nine interceptions now, nine of the 12 in four games, and that's not good and he knows what he has to work on. He's got the ability, he's got the talent, and he's got, uh, you know, game experience. He's not like a guy who never started a game before. So it's up to him. If he wants to keep this job, he's going to have to play well against Michigan.
0: Well, you're right. It's easy to uh, pin the blame on uh, the quarterback when the offense yeah. struggles. The offensive line, uh, two young guys at the tackle, so cohesion is going to be uh, a concern. Another thing to consider is the fact that the top four receivers from last year's team are gone. So it isn't easy to replace that kind of production with a new offensive line.
1: No, it's not. And, you know, the one thing about the offensive line, they've all played before. All these guys had game experience last year. But going against West Virginia, they lost their starting left guard, Mike Metter, who was a kid that walked on. They got a scholarship. He'd been playing so well. So he done for the season with a right shoulder injury. They had to kind of juggle things, move Ryan Doyle from right tackle to left guard, move up a freshman to start at right tackle who'd never started a game before, Damian Prince. And right there, you've got yourself, you're behind the eight ball before the kickoff even takes place. But Don and, and, and Mike Metter and Evan Mulroney, a veteran center, Zeller and Doyle, all these guys have played before, so it's not like they haven't got any kind of cohesiveness going. And as I mentioned, they hadn't given up a sack all year long until they got to West Virginia. So it was every, every single aspect of the Maryland football team, the offense, the defense, the special teams, the receivers, the quarterbacks running. The only bright spot was really Brandon Ross. Kid had a second 100-yard game against the Mountaineers, and he was the lone bright spot uh, of the Maryland offense. So uh, it's one of these things you kind of you, – you don't even want to take a look at the film. You want to just burn it and get rid of it, forget about it. There's nothing you can do except correct the mistakes – And if you don't, then somebody will be taking your place out there playing.
0: Well, with us on our visitor segment this week is Radio Hall of Famer and the radio play-by-play voice of Maryland football and basketball, Johnny Holiday. Johnny, on the defensive side of the ball, there are a lot of young guys cutting their teeth this year for the Terrapins, with the exception of all Big Ten corner William Likely, who, despite his size, is one heck of a player, isn't he?
1: You know, he really is. he's he's not only a heck of a player, he's a tremendous young guy. He's only 5'7". He says he weighs 175 pounds, maybe. Preseason All-American, preseason All-Big Ten, he's got the whole package. But what's happened now is after he got up to such a good start, he's already had a couple of touchdowns, brought back on punts and kickoffs, and nobody's kicking to him. He didn't have one single punt return uh, the other day, didn't return any kickoffs, and they're not going to be kicking to him if they're smart, because if you do, then you're, you're, you're risking a chance of this kid either putting Maryland in a great field position with a terrific return or taking it all the way to the end zone for a touchdown. And he's also one of the most competitive backs we had. You got Hendy, Nixon, Davis, and you got Likely back there in the secondary. All guys who have experience, but Likely he said he wants the number one receiver on the other team. Whether he's 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", whatever, it doesn't matter. He wants to take him when they go man coverage. And he really holds his own. He's a terrific kid. He's got great instinct. At tremendous speed, and I think the fans, uh, you know, you had a chance to see him last year at Michigan, and he's only he's only a junior. So he's got another year left to sit, you know, kind of hone in his skills and get better. But he is a terrific, terrific young guy.
0: Well, Johnny, you mentioned no one who's uh, kicking to him. Uh, all you have to look back, I guess, if anyone who's seen film of the Richmond game from earlier this year. 241 yards uh, amassed in punt return yardage, which broke a record that is amazing Niles Kinnick's record, uh, Niles Kinnick of Iowa, which was set before World War II. I mean, he is an absolute terror on kick returns.
1: Yeah, he set a Big Ten record last year. He, I mean, he's just he just does everything. Uh, he did make a couple of mistakes. He's, he's human, too. He's going to try to make something every time they kick to him. And they did, uh, in the, I guess it was the USF game, uh, or Bowling Green game, he mishandled a pot. He probably should have fair-catched it, but he doesn't like to do that. And that cost Maryland some pretty good field position. But, he had, you know, he's got eight different records a couple of defensive records, six special teams records. Uh, Not only that, he's he's on the Paul Horning honor roll, I think, a couple of weeks ago. In fact, he's been named to that thing twice already this year. So when you look in the Maryland record books, there's likely his name for what he's done, punt returns, kickoff returns. And uh, as I said, West Virginia was pretty smart. They kept the ball away from him. And if, if you can't get a hold of it, you can't do much with it. And it worked out that way for them.
0: Johnny, has there been anyone else on uh, this young defensive unit that has impressed you so far this year?
1: Yeah, Jermaine Carter, the middle linebackers played well. Yannick and Gonque, he's all preseason Big Ten. Uh, he's pretty good. Uh, Carter in the middle is only a sophomore, and the linebackers are not big. Nobody's over six feet. Six one is Brooks. Brooks is six one. Jefferson is Shiro A kid who transferred down from Connecticut is only six one. Carter goes only six feet, and it's it's probably the down lineman who are the most uh, least experienced of the group with Braglio and Shaw and Jefferson who played last year a little bit uh, before he got. hurt and in Gonkwe. So I think Probably the keys defensively would be Sean Davis, he's got a couple of interceptions, and Jalen Brooks and Jermaine Carter and Yannick Ingonque. Uh, but they've given up a whole lot of yardage and that's that's a major concern. When you give up six hundred and one yards to a West Virginia team and you give up to Bowling Green something like six hundred and ninety two yards, that's uh that's a whole bunch. That's only in two games. So defensively they got a lot of work to do this week and uh I think I hope the coaches will have them ready. I think they will because of the magnitude of playing somebody like Michigan, who they've only played, what, three times in the past? And this will be the fourth meeting, and Maryland's only won one game up there last year. So you don't ever have a chance to see the Wolverines come to town. I'm sure they're going to travel extremely well. And uh, I would imagine that John Harbaugh will be on the stands to watch his brother perform out there. Um uh, and it'll be it'll be a, a very electric night, I think.
0: Getting back to the special teams for just a, a moment, uh, Johnny. I know looking for positives uh, after a, a game like West Virginia and even a loss to uh, to Bowling Green can be tough sometime uh, for fans. But uh, Brad Craddock, uh, the defending Lou Groza Award winner, he's uh, he's about as close to automatic as it gets, and. That kicking game, as we all know, is vitally important and often overlooked.
1: And sometimes you'll find Brad Craddock doing the punting. He's done uh, quite a bit of punting so far this year, and he's got almost the same kind of an average that their their regular punter has. He's only a freshman, and Craddock is averaging, I think, maybe a yard more at his kicks than Nicholas Pritchard is, who's a freshman punter. But but Craddock last year had had just a tremendous season, Uh, didn't miss a point after, and this year he's missed one field goal attempt, he's missed one point after attempt, and that has really bothered him, really bothered him. Uh, But last year he was... Sensational. He's got a strong leg. He's a kid that's soccer-style guy from Australia, and he's a senior. And if you were to point out one member of this football team who might be the leader, this would be it. It would be Brad Craddock, and you don't find that very often on a football team where the kicker is the guy that guys go to for inspiration, guys go to. and Randy Etzel has said time and time again, he wishes everybody could follow the same kind of regimentation that Brad Craddock has set up for himself to get ready for games, to get ready for practices, the way he does things. The way he focuses, and this kid does not like to lose at all. He's a, a tremendous, tremendous competitor, and he's on that list again for the Grocer Award this year. And uh, brought certainly brought Maryland tremendous recognition last year by winning it—the uh, Rula Grocer Award for the best kicker in the nation.
0: You know, speaking of Coach Etzel, I hold him in high regard. Have for a long time. I think because he's old school in so many ways, like me, and just a, he's a high quality guy. Is patience wearing thin for him among the Terrapin faithful, though?
1: You know, I think you're always going to have detractors. Uh, I'm sure that when Coach Hallball, you know, lost his first game up there, people saying, well, what have they done? They brought in the wrong guy. You're going to get naysayers, I think, no matter where you are. Certainly there's going to be those that aren't happy. But nobody is more unhappy than Randy Etzel at what's going on. They are 2 and 2. It's not the end of the world, but this begins conference play against Michigan. So the non conference thing is out the window, and you kind of figured you might be 4 0 going into conference play, but it didn't happen. He is, as you mentioned, he's a very much of a disciplinarian. And that's what, I think that's what these kids like. They, they like to be told they, they're going to have to do certain things. And the one thing I like about Coach Hetzel, he gives guys a chance to play. And that was evidenced by the quarterback battle between Rowe and, and, and Perry Hills and Dax Garmin. And I, it was kind of a surprise that Perry Hills, in practice, showed more than anybody else did. So he started that first game. But Randy's not afraid to give him the hook. If he don't produce and don't move the team and don't do your job, then you're, you're going to be taken out, and somebody else is going to go in there and give him a shot. But I, I like the way that he approaches things. I like the way that he's focused, and uh, I think you'll have him ready to go. There, there are certainly people, as I mentioned earlier, when you lose, nobody's happy. When you win, everybody's happy. You can't do anything wrong. I think that's just the nature of the beast in, in, in college athletics. What have you done for me? like the last game. What have you done for me 20 minutes ago? So I, th- I think it's going to be okay. He's, he got the team to a couple of bowl games back-to-back and had more road wins than anybody in the Big Ten last year. And this really is supposed to be probably the best team he's had in his five years. And so far, they haven't shown that, but it's a long, long way to go.
0: The preseason, if you will, is out of the way. The non-conference games now. and Oh, yeah. We've all had a snapshot of our teams, uh, everyone has. Do you think looking at it right now, Johnny, this year's team can equal their debut season last year in the Big Ten with uh, at least seven wins, or is that just asking too much?
1: No, I don't think so. I, here's what I think, uh, You know, and I love the way they, they approach this thing. If you ask Randy Etchell, if you ask Keith Judczynski or Mike Loxley, the coordinators, how many games do you expect to win this year, they're going to say all of them. They don't expect to lose any games. I don't think he can go into a season saying, "Okay, let's see. We got Michigan. We can win. We won last year, so we should." Then we go to Ohio State. So well, you're not going to win that game. Then you got Penn State. Or we probably will win that. At Iowa, will we beat them black? You can't do that. I think you just got to, you have to take it. It's a, it's a stupid cliche. Oh, we're going to take them one game at a time. <laughs> but that's, that's really the way you got to do it. And this is a murderous schedule. I just mentioned you guys in Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan State. And, and you know, Indiana's on beat, what at 3-0. So you can't, you can't look at these teams and say, okay, this is a win. This is a win. This is a win. Because in any given day, as we saw with Bowling Green, I think everybody thought that was going to be a win. Didn't work out that way. You got you got clobbered by a pretty good team that may win that conference. So I don't I don't think they're looking at all about how many wins we can get this year. They had a great one last year. That's last year. It means nothing at all to the coaches or players as far as what's happening this year is concerned.
0: Despite the two and two start from Maryland and you know what Michigan has accomplished so far, it's time for Big Ten play this Saturday. Some ways, well, in many ways, it's a fresh start. It's at Bird Stadium, which should be rockin' Saturday night, and BTN broadcasting from coast to coast, so to me, that makes it a special night anyway, Johnny.
1: Yeah, it should be, and I know Michigan travels so well, and it's a great trip for the Wolverine fans to come to the Washington, D.C. area. You make a nice weekend of it, so many things to see here. You got Baltimore off the road, you got Annapolis over the road for the best doggone seafood in the area, and you've got a wonderful venue, and I think the fans will really enjoy it. And it should be a very, very good football game. I think that first quarter will probably tell a lot of what's going to happen the rest of the game, and I know the kids were embarrassed at uh, West Virginia, and it's going to be a you know, very interesting week of practice to see how they respond. And uh, they bounced back after that Bowling Green loss, so I look for them to come back and, and to play a good game, make it competitive, and you go out there and give it your best shot. And if the other guy plays a little bit better and wins it, so be it. If you play a little bit better, you're going to win it. And uh, you've got two great institutions, and we're all looking
0: forward to it. Well, our guest on our visitor segment this week has been Radio Hall of Famer, broadcasting legend, and the radio play-by-play voice of Maryland Terrapin football and basketball, Johnny Holiday. Johnny, uh, always appreciate your time, and I know it's going to be a lot of fun Saturday night, so enjoy, and we look forward to our next visit. I can't thank
1: you enough for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Up next, we close it out for today with Wolverine Quick Hits here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. Before quick hits today, here are a few facts about this week's game. Michigan leads the series three games to one. Maryland came to the big house last year and left with a 23-16 win. Head coach Randy Etzall is in his fifth year at Maryland and has a record of 20-30. In 17 years as a head coach, his overall record is 94-100. Maryland finished last season at 7-6 and, and had the best road record in the conference. They return 10 starters, 5 on offense, 4 on D, and one special teams player, which is all Big Ten punt and kick returner Will Likely. They ended the season last year with an appearance in the Foster Farms Bowl, where they lost to Stanford 45-21. This is their second year in the Big Ten. By the time this show airs, we might already know if the game is a go, or if alternate plans have been implemented. It's a dicey weather situation, So we'll just have to follow the storm and hope it changes direction sometime today. Thanks again to Maryland radio legend Johnny Holiday for being my guest today. Next week, we'll recap the Maryland game and get ready for a visit from 16th-ranked Northwestern. Of course, they might not be the 16th-ranked team in the country after this week. Uh, They open the Big Ten season with Minnesota, but Coach Pat Fitzgerald has them exceeding expectations at least through the first four weeks of the season. So tell your friends and family about the show and make sure you join us next week. That will do it for this week. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Hopefully Hurricane Joaquin changes course and we get Saturday's Big Ten opener in the books. Until next time, take care, and as always, Go Blue!